Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Here's what we're thinking here, Revival Life Church. Uh, Before we get in the message, we're pretty sure we're going to be able to kick back into uh, limited Sunday morning services early July. We haven't made uh, a formal plan yet. Obviously, we've seen all your feedback and we appreciate it. Um, And we're making decisions and uh, we don't want to die a coronavirus. So we're going to be smart about it. Here you go. And that's back. Oh, that looked painful. I'm so sorry. Okay, my bad. My bad. Hey. Um, Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us for Sunday morning service. I'm pretty I'm pretty excited about what's happening uh, in our country right now. I'm pretty happy about what's going on in the world. I'm going to make sure I'm recording. Hey, we're actually recording the audio. That's good news right there. Uh, I'm pretty excited about what's happening in the world right now. I know a lot of people are in stress. I'm not. You know why? Jesus is alive. And I'm pretty happy about that. Uh, He's alive. He's still on the throne. He's still sovereign. And I like living in a prophetic moment. We are living in a prophetic moment right now. Hey, it's June 2020. We are in, watch this, our message series, June 2020. See how we did that? See, we believe that God is doing something right now in our midst. We believe that the Spirit of God is at work in America. The Spirit of God is at work in Boca Raton in South Florida. The Spirit of God is at work in me. And the Spirit of God is at work in you. We don't have to travel off into some Bible history to see God working right now. It's all around us. We believe that in 2020, we were to see Jesus more clearly in Boca Raton, in America, and around the world. And I believe this country is beginning to see the true Jesus more clearly. Now, if they'll truly recognize Him as something else entirely, we're living in a divine opportunity right now. A prophetic moment is a, is a moment that God has given us divine opportunities. Let, let, me, let me explain that. <clears throat> the gift of prophecy is found, of course, all throughout the Bible, including the New Testament. It's an office in the body of, body of Christ as part of the fivefold ministry. And this new prophetic ministry is different than the Old Testament prophetic ministry. In the Old Covenant, God would come and visit the people. He would come down and inhabit the Holy of Holies. He would at times move upon a charismatic leader or upon a divine place that would be called Bethel or the house of God. And so that's what you had in the Old Testament. In this New Testament, He came and dwells within us. The very Spirit of God dwells upon the inside of us. This is way better than what they had in the Old Covenant. I hear people who who are excited about the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. They say, I can't wait. And I'm like, the temple's already been rebuilt. Jesus prophesied it. It's right here. You don't have to worship at it. Uh, That's a joke. Uh, But Jesus Christ is alive on the inside of us. The Spirit of God dwells right here. We don't have to go anywhere else. Now, the Old Testament prophet, he told us what God was saying because he dwelled between the altar and the people. In this New Testament, we don't need that because he lives on the inside of us. Now, there are prophets in the church. 
there's a prophetic gifting in the church, uh, but it doesn't replace the voice of God. And it's not like Moses or Ezekiel. The Bible tells us pretty clearly that there's a prophetic ministry to build us up, to encourage us, not to fortune tell, uh, not, not to be a wizard, um, but to encourage people. Now, what the prophetic does is the prophetic helps you see what you couldn't see on your own. You know, sometimes when you're, when you're at a church service or in the, the pastor's preaching a word or whoever, and he says something or she says something, and her word just cuts right to your heart, like it jumps out, like, wow, how did they know? That's like a prophetic word straight to your heart. That, that's the Spirit of God speaking to you. This is the gift of Jesus to the church. It helps us see what we couldn't see, and it opens the eyes of the spiritually blind. We're all a little blinded. We're all at a place where we don't see perfectly. We don't see 100%. We don't all see clearly. That's because we need one another and we need the prophetic gift on the inside of other people. Now, unlike the Old Testament gift of prophecy, prophecy points out our God potential. It lets us see what's possible according to God. It's not some sort of, thus saith the Lord, and now, you know, some people have more authority in their ministry, but by and large, the prophetic word points out potential, points out God possibilities. Now, when Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, he wrote about this. And, and what I want you to really get in the midst of this is, God is absolutely sovereign. God is is outside space and time. God sits on his throne. He alone is God. But he has invited us in to co-author our life story with him. He has invited us in. See, God did not abandon us. He didn't leave us and he didn't send us away from him. When Jesus came, he actually stepped into time. God came and stepped into time and he actually filled creation with himself. And that's what happened when Jesus stepped into the earth. He filled creation with him and he increased our possibilities, our potential of knowing and experiencing God. Though he's sovereign, he's not like some puppet master in heaven making us all dance on strings. That, that, that's not what's happening. He also didn't just set the world in motion and leave us to our own accord. God is co-authoring our story. I want you to know that. If you feel like you're alone, you're not. If you think God has abandoned you, He has it. If you think you've messed up so badly that it would take a miracle to bring you back, guess what? Everything God does is a miracle. It's impossible for Him to do anything and it not be a miracle. You're right where God wants you, and He is right now drawing you into His purpose. But God is not going to control you, and He's not going to control your circumstances. He wants to empower us to do things. Watch this. I want you to see this. In the book, uh, excuse me, the letter of 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he quotes the prophet Isaiah in chapter 6, verse 1, speaking about Jesus. He says, And working together with Jesus, we, the saints, we also urge you, not to receive 
the grace of God in vain. For, and here's where he quotes Isaiah, at the acceptable time I listened to you and on the day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Let me unpack that, right? If you got your Bible out, uh, I want you to go ahead and, you know, underline that or circle the verse. I want you to see something really important here back in verse 1. <clears throat> he says, working together with him, we urge you to receive the grace of God, not in vain. Don't receive it in vain. What, 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 what does that mean? That means don't let what God is doing go to waste. Don't let what God is doing in this season go to waste. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. They say, look, God is doing something right now and you can let it pass you by if you want. We are in a divine moment of opportunity. This is a prophetic season. We don't want to waste this season. Now, listen, I'm not talking about exercise. I'm not talking about getting your budget in order. Uh, though I have some friends here who plan on getting married in this season. They're not letting this prophetic season go to waste. They're getting married in the midst of it. They actually got engaged in this season and they're getting married in this season. They're just like, come on, let's capitalize on what's going down right now. I bet wedding venues are cheaper right now because you can't have one. You know what? There'd be a cheaper wedding, Corey, because you can't invite anybody. That's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. But you can still have a wedding registry. This is brilliant. Brilliant. Now, check this out. So we're in a, a, a prophetic moment, uh, a prophetic season. Now, here's how we kind of look at it biblically. Biblically, it's called a Kairos moment. Now, I've heard some pretty bad teachings on Kairos moments, even in this current season. Here's what it actually means without being super spiritual and weird. The Greeks, the ancient Greeks, had two words for time. They had chronos and kairos. And these are just two words that describe things slightly different, right? There's nothing super spiritual about this, but I want you to hear it. Chronos refers to chronological or sequential time. I've been going for about 10 minutes now. That's chronological, right? Where we see kairos, it's an ancient Greek word that means the right, critical, or opportune moment. When we say like in this time, we need to do this. Now we're not talking about a clock time. And we're not talking about something super spiritual that God has done. We mean like something special is happening right now. We need to seize this moment, this Kairos moment. This Kairos signifies a proper or opportune time for action. It's an open invitation for us to partner or to be involved, or to take action in something that's happening. We are in a Kairos moment. God has opened an opportunity for each of us in this season. We cannot receive this grace that God has given us in vain. In your life, if you're a part of this church, if you're connected to this church, it is a Kairos moment right now. It is a season of grace to make some changes in your life. This season is pregnant with possibilities. We cannot let this time go to waste. If you're not hearing God in this season, if you're like, I haven't had a 
kairos moment. I haven't had a God moment. I haven't had a divine direction. Read the New Testament until a scripture jumps off the page. That's a kairos word for you. That's a now word. That's a prophetic word for you right now. That's God speaking to your heart in this moment. You can just look at it as, wow, man, that was, that was pretty good. Or you can recognize God is speaking. And when God speaks, there's grace on that to apply it to your life, to change, to be what God sees in you, the potential that he's called you to fulfill. Those of you who were alive a little bit before me, uh, my, uh, the generation before me who were alive in the 60s and 70s, you probably remember if you were alive for them, the uh, Vietnam protests of the 60s, the civil rights movement, the anti-war protests. And those of you who are older, my, my mom would tell me about protests that she went to uh, against the war in Vietnam. My father, of course, served in Vietnam. And you may find yourself, if you're of this generation, you may find yourself, if you're not careful, you'll talk about the protests of today just like your parents talked about the protests of your generation. They dismissed them as a rebellious, younger generation that just doesn't get it, who's out of touch, who aren't realistic, who are dreamers. And I'm telling you, God is inviting this country into a dream in this season, the God possibility in this season. The protests of the 60s, they changed America and they changed the church. You remember, I believe his name was Dr. Timothy O'Leary. He had this saying. He was older than all the protesters of the 60s. And uh, he came from their parents' generation, the silent generation, some call it. And he had this saying, turn on, tune in, drop out. They're like, hey, let's get our mind right. And then we'll just disconnect from the world. And the generation before mine said, no, we're not disconnecting from the world. We're going to change the world for the better. And their parents said, no, you're all hippies. You're growing your hair out. You're going against the rules. Don't, you don't understand our wisdom. And they said, no, we see something better. And the older generation, they rejected the hippies. And someone decided, hey, let me sit down and talk to some of these people. Let me see what they're about. Let me see what's happening. And a man named Chuck Smith, of course, met a young hippie named Lonnie Frisbee. And revival began in the midst of that generation. And of course, they started the Calvary Chapel Church Network. And out of that conversation was born the Jesus movement of the 60s that many of the biggest preachers in the world today came out of. Many of the Movements, biggest movements in the world today came out of that Jesus people movement and that Jesus people generation because somebody cared enough to figure out what was going on. We have to care what's happening right now. We can't just fire off a tweet. We can't just dismiss a generation. We can't dismiss 15 years worth of the people we've raised, 20 years worth, and just say, ah, they don't, they don't get it. I want to remind you of something I said last week. We only have solutions for the problems we identify with. When there's someone else's problems, we don't have solutions. But when we identify with those problems, now God can speak through us. Baby boomers out there, if I could just speak to you 
for a moment, and possibly those of you who are Gen X like me, we should be better equipped to minister to a younger generation that sees something we don't. We should be better equipped to minister to a younger generation that is irritated by something that maybe your generation or people in my generation aren't irritated by. Just like the silent generation didn't care about the problems of the 60s and 70s, I'm seeing many of that same generation not caring about the problems of the millennials, of Gen Z. And I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is doing something significant in this season. God has given us an opportunity to win a generation to Him. But we have to care about what they care about. We have to identify with this generation that is now shaping history. Romans 8.28, Paul said this, We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. He's working all these things for good. Do not listen to the lie that the world is going to hell. Don't listen to the lie that the devil is winning. Don't listen to the lie that is demonic and it's all a lie. Don't, that's, it's no more true now than it ever was. Don't buy into it. The people who are saying that lack prophetic vision. They do not see what Jesus is doing on the earth right now. As shocking as it is to some people, Jesus actually cares about people. Mark 6.34, that came out a little more snarky than I meant it. Uh, I'm not saying you don't think God doesn't care about people if you don't. That's, that's not what I'm saying. What I do say is that God cares about people. I do want to say that emph- emphatically. Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 34, says Jesus, like he had been working. He had been working. And it says, when he came ashore, he saw a large crowd and he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. We got some crowds right now that could use some compassion. We got some crowds in the world that could use some compassion. And uh, we have to care as the church. We have to care about an upset crowd. I don't care if you agree with them or not. We're not allowed to not care. We're not allowed to not care about the voice of people in pain. We're not allowed to judge their pain. We're not allowed to say that, well, I don't really think you should be hurting. I mean, I'm not sure what level of pride it takes to tell a group of people what they should and shouldn't hurt about. But I guarantee you, Jesus could have said to this crowd, quit bellyaching, I created you, didn't I? Didn't I give you the word? Didn't I? Don't you think God could have said, I'm not going to die for you? Yet he chose to identify with the crowds hurting, with our hurt and pain. And he called us to follow him. The crowds today are hungry and they're hurting. Jesus was moved with compassion and he fed them. The crowds today are hurting. We need to be moved with compassion and feed them. Do you see? Are you able to see the pain of the crowd? Are you able to hear the voice of people who feel disenfranchised? People who feel like they don't have a voice? People who feel disconnected? People who feel marginalized? This is Jesus. This is Jesus. We can't say we didn't know. 
He's given us an opportunity. This is a Kairos moment to win a generation. Can you see the needs of the person in front of you? Do you see the needs of your coworker in this time of fear? I'm, 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 I'm never at a lack of people to talk to who are scared in this season. There's plenty of people who are fearful in this season. And if you're like, wow, they don't have anything to be fearful about, then why don't you go ahead and minister that? Why don't you help somebody? Why don't you meet a need? We have to allow the heart of God to create in us a heart of compassion. This is the goal. This is the goal. A heart of compassion for people who are hurting. Jesus didn't say, help the people who you think are worth it. He didn't tell us, you know, see what their party affiliation is or see where they voted or who they get naked with. This isn't what he said. He said, go love people. He didn't say, go see if they carried every pregnancy to full term. He said, just go love people. He'll do the convicting of sin. That's what he promised. That's his word. Compassion releases the power of God. And we are called to release the presence and power of God to this lost generation. We are called to meet spiritual needs. We're called to meet physical needs. We're called to give that prophetic word of hope. We're called to release that power of healing. We're called to bring that word of wisdom, that word of comfort, that gift of counsel, which is part of the sevenfold spirit of God. This is who we're called to be. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. This is who we're called to be. To speak a word to those who don't hear him. This is why He gave us the Holy Ghost. This is why we're baptized in the Spirit. This is why He has empowered us. To reach out and be the hands of Jesus. To be the mouth of Jesus. To be the feet of Jesus. To be the wallet of Jesus. The great philosophers and the political pundits, all the people with these great ideas, they never cried over people. Jeremiah cried over people. Jesus cried. If you're crying in this season, if you're hurt, man, that's good news. If you're grieved by what's happening in the world today, the no answers for the coronavirus, the racial hatred, the economic injustice, if you're, if you're grieved by all this and your soul is hurting, I want you to get out of shame because that means that our soul is still alive. That things still matter to you. That people matter to you. Good news. Don't live there. Don't live there. Let that motivate you to help somebody around you. We need integrity, honesty, decency. We need fortitude and we need courage in this season. We need to reach some people who don't know Him. In in the Bible, we, we know that Jesus, as recorded, cried twice. Probably the most famous time is when he cried over his good friend Lazarus. <clears throat> Shortest scripture in the Word, of course. Jesus wept. One verse. Jesus cried over the plight of one man. I don't want to get super spiritual and deep here. <clears throat> I want you to think about the fact that Jesus cried for his creation. But the second time that Jesus cried. He cried over Jerusalem, over a city, over a people that were away from God and didn't see him. Jesus knew that Israel's rejection of Christ was going to cause their downfall. 
and he didn't judge them. He wept. Luke 19, verse 41 says, When Jesus approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, watch this, if you had known this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they've been hidden from your eyes. I tell you what, I do not want to get on the other side of eternity and Jesus say, you didn't see the day. You didn't see what I was doing because you were too busy stuck in your pride. You're too busy stuck in your nationality, your nationism, your nationalism, your ethnicity, your religion, your denomination, your stream. You missed your day of visitation. I have found personally that the move of the Spirit comes when we humble ourselves. And it's possible that thing that's offending you right now is God opening a door of opportunity. When you're open to having your worldview challenged by God and by His Spirit, you're open to the peace of God beyond your understanding. We say this all the time, but if you have to understand, then you'll never get peace that surpasses understanding. I don't understand what's happening right now. You may not understand why anybody would march for Black Lives Matter. You may not understand why someone voted for Trump. You, 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 just, you may not understand, and you never will until you ask. Until you personally get the courage to have a conversation with someone around you. I'm serious today because we're in a Kairos moment and I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. I don't know if you caught this story. There was a, uh, a protest and a proud counter protest uh, in Nevada. And, uh, and there was a, a large group of people protesting uh, against brutality uh, by law enforcement and there was another counter protest across the street Uh, don't understand as much what it was they were protesting but uh, there was another group across the street uh, and the group across the street in marched a couple guys wearing clan gear i don't know if you saw this or not it's in the news you can look it up and so they're wearing clan gear and uh, carrying flags and uh, they stood with the people who were part of the counter demonstration. I'll just tell you, there was Black Lives Matter, and then there were All Lives Matter, which technically would include Black Lives, so I don't know how you would debate it if it's part of you. It doesn't make any sense to me, but I, I don't have to understand. So the, these guys in clan hoods got with the All Lives Matter people, and the All Lives Matter people are like, hey, we may not agree with them, but we're not agreeing with you. You got to get out of here, right? And so the Black Lives Matter people were screaming at the Klan people and the All Lives Matter people were screaming at the Klan people and then they got together and they drove the Klan people out. Then, look at the news report. Then they started hugging one another. They started dialoguing. They started coming together on the same side. They're like, and then the news is interviewing them. They're like, yeah, this is, I don't know what happened exactly, but this is beautiful. And to that, I would say, amen. This is beautiful. We're actually on the same side here. Uh, hopefully, if you're a Christian. We, we want justice. We want Jesus to prevail. We want people to be treated fairly. 
We want everybody to matter. Everybody. And we definitely don't want the Klan. I can say that emphatically. I'm trying to be politically neutral, but that's... Uh, we don't want the Klan. Sorry. <clears throat> if you're a Klan member, we don't have a space for you here. I mean, you, there's, there's room at the altar. You can come get saved, I suppose. Uh, well, I know you can, actually. If you repent. Hallelujah. I mean, you know. Watch this. <clears throat> Jesus was talking to... Remember, he was walking... And the blind were on the side of the road. I'm finishing here, right? Don't, don't tune out. Stay with me. He was walking, and in, in, in Matthew chapter 20, there was blind people screaming out for him. Jesus stopped and called them and said, what is it you want me to do for you? And they said, Lord, we want our eyes opened. Watch this again. Moved with compassion, he touched their eyes. And immediately, they regained their sight and followed. And I feel like there's a lot of people in Boca Raton, South Florida, in America, we need to have our eyes open to the people in front of us and we need to start following Jesus. <clears throat> if Jesus hadn't said something to you extremely offensive recently, you may not be hearing him because he's constantly challenging our assumptions. He's constantly challenging our offense and our judgment constantly wanting our hearts to grow larger and have compassion on people we don't respect. That's what Jesus did. And that's who we want to be like. I'll finish with this. As John, John, the book of John, the, the fourth gospel, which is not one of the synoptic gospels, John wrote his a little differently and uh, it's believed by most theologians that his was written later than the other Gospels. Um, his is not written chron chronologically like the other three. His are kind of out of sync. And in fact, at the end of the Gospel of John, he has uh, the, he talks about Pentecost before he talks about the Assumption. So it's not exactly in chronological order. But here's how John portrayed Pentecost. Uh, John 20, he says, So Jesus said to them, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. When he said this, he breathed on them. And this is what happened at Pentecost. Wow, this is what happened on Pentecost. He breathed upon them. Receive the Holy Ghost. And here's how John encapsulated the message of the outpouring. If you forgive the sins of any, they've been forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they've been retained. He's called us not to judge, but to love. And to use the power God has given us to release people from where they're at. Hear me, friend. God has given us an opportunity to win a generation. He's given us an opportunity to affect our nation. To allow love to shine in ways it never has. Quit judging. Quit being mean online. Forgive sins. Release peace. God has called us to be like trees planted by streams of living water that give forth fruit. That fruit looks like love, looks like healing, looks like reconciliation. I hope, I invite you onto this journey with me to love people well in this season. 
to reject the messages of hate, judgment, self-righteousness, and bitterness that is being championed in the church today, that's being championed in America. And I want to remind you that as we gather around the table of the Lord, we gather co-heirs with Christians of every color, of every ethnicity under the sun. These are our brothers and sisters. Women, men, children, and elders. Elders, don't judge the young people. God is moving in their lives. If you're a Gen Z, millennial, don't, don't judge. Stop, don't use a generational term as an insult. Get it out of your mouth. It's dishonoring. Don't say it. We need to honor our elders. There's a great deal of wisdom. Elders, we need that wisdom. Stop operating in judgment. Let's gather around the table of the Lord. Father, we love you. And we ask you today that you would forgive us our sins. You would forgive us of not loving the way you've loved us. And we want to love like you. And Lord Jesus, I thank you that your body was broken so that we can love like you. Ah, thank you for pouring out your spirit. And I release your grace upon your people. Receive the body of the Lord. And on the same night that he shared the body with them, he shared the cup of the new covenant. Look, this is the blood that brings healing. Let's look for more than ourselves. Let's really believe God for healing in our generation. Let's receive this cup of reconciliation. The lamb is worthy of a people he died for. Receive the cup of the new covenant. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you need anything, go ahead and hit us up in the, in the chat line here. If you're new, we love to hear from you. You can text RLC join to 97,000. If you need prayer, one-on-one face-to-face -on -one -face prayer, there's a link going on in the chat right now. Click on that and uh, someone will Zoom call you personally and uh, I don't know, cast the devil out, whatever you need, right? We'll, we'll, we'll hook you up. And uh, if there's anybody sick, whatever, Contact us so we can pray for you. I'm going to text RLC help to 97,000. And um, I'm so proud of so many of you who've stepped up in such a significant way in this season. And uh, from all of us here, uh, we love you. We love living life with you. I'll see you in, uh, in life group. And those 20-somethings, I'll see you on the 20th, Saturday night at, what time is it, honey? 7:30. At 7.30. Don't forget you got an RSVP by... Friday. Love you. God bless you. Have a great week. Amen. Thank you, honey. Thank you, honey. I actually need that. Thank you.